You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Thanks, Lutch. Um, it's actually pretty exciting to continue from Lockie now. We didn't... Oh, I've got to try and find my back pocket. I have one. I'm going to put it in my back pocket. There we go. Um, yeah, we didn't actually touch my, uh, base much on what we'll be talking about today. And um, Yeah, and it's, it's, it's quite cool. There's a lot of layover, which I think is just awesome and just uh, encouragement to me that, to know that, yeah, this is, this is the Spirit working today. This, we're here to hear His Word uh, and not something that we've tried to put together ourselves. So, um, yeah, I'm encouraged by that. Uh, a few weeks ago, now I'm going to be talking about like time frames here. I'm terrible with time frames, so when I say a few weeks, it's probably a year. I don't know. It's all over the place. But um, a few weeks ago, so that could mean anything, um, Amy was trying to work out on average how many times I move in a year since living in Melbourne. Now, I said I'd never move to Melbourne. I don't like the city. Um, I'm a country boy, and, and she worked out that I move on average twice a year, right? So that's not a hobby of mine, moving. I don't get an adrenaline rush every time I move. It's just something that you do, right? You need to live somewhere. And um, we've just moved again recently. Um, we've always lived with someone too since being married. Amy and I, we've always lived with someone. And now we, we, at the beginning of this year, we were blessed with a baby boy, um, which has been absolutely awesome, but a, definitely a change in lifestyle. So thought, you know, it's probably time for us to start finding a house for ourselves, for our family. And um, looking around, we started looking around for rentals again. You know, we've been looked after so much since, since being married in um, people taking us into their house, always having a room for us and everything, which we've been so, so blessed. But we thought time to go out and rent for ourselves. And, oh, man, it is expensive to live in Melbourne. It is really, really expensive. I, we went out one day checking out all these different houses for, for rentals, um, just inspecting some houses and stuff like that, and I was really discouraged. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a step of faith uh, for you, Lord, because this is pricey. This is so expensive to rent or to buy. It's, it's going to take a leap of faith for us. And I can't remember if it was on the way home or um, when we got home, but Amy got a text message from one of her friends. She hadn't spoken to her for a while, and her friend said, oh, I heard you guys are living with someone. So she didn't even know that we were looking for a rental. And um, so her situation was her parents own a house, and then attached to the house is a self-sustained unit. Her parents were moving overseas uh, for a few months, and like over a year, and um, her and her husband were living in the unit. They're going to move into the house, um, and now they've got this unit. So she said, you can come check out this unit if you like. I'm like, all right, sweet. We'll come check it out, obviously, because we're looking. And it's just amazing. You know, it is so, so cheap, the rent, compared to anywhere else. The place is absolutely beautiful. So we're out at Coddles Bridge now. Um, so for those that don't know where that is, if you go out Diamond Creek, Hurst Bridge, Coddles Bridge, or if you come from Eltham, you can drive um, through Research, Kangaroo Ground, Panton Hill, St. Andrews, Coddles Bridge. Either way that you go, that road to where we live is, is beautiful. It is so amazing. Um, like you're driving along and you've you got all the trees everywhere and you come out to a clearing and you see all these hills and kangaroos. Kangaroos are awesome at a distance. They make you scream when they jump in front of you. But, you know, other than that, like they're really, really cool. And just the whole scenic route is just absolutely amazing. And the house itself is awesome. So it's all mud brick and inside is like exposed timber. And you go into our lounge room. So you walk in the front door and we're in our lounge room. And we got windows from the, from the ground to the roof and you open up the curtains in the morning and the sun's coming in. And I'm making you all jealous now and you should be. But this is our house. Right, 
and, um, and there was all bushland. There's pet peacocks. So how cool is that? And they just come in front of the window, feathers everywhere. It's great. Um, and this week, actually, so they got some sheep there as well, and, and we just had baby lambs, and they are so awesome. And this place that we have, um, you know, it is absolutely beautiful, and we are so, so lucky for this house. And we've been there for probably three weeks, that could mean anything, um, now, and, and already it started to just be the normal, right? Like this, when we first saw this house, we're like, this is absolutely beautiful, um, and we have those moments, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have those moments. I'm just like, we are so lucky for this house. And God always provides and I always doubt, but he always provides. Um, and, and I still doubt. And, but yeah, this, the, the, it's become so normal now. I put a, put our fire on in the morning and before, you know, it'd be so like amazing just to be sitting on my couch with the fire going and just quiet and hearing the peacocks that scare you. Cause they, they got a crazy sound as well. Um, and then, but the drive as well, just, I get to drive out there every day um, to and from our house, and it's just beautiful. But now, it's just the road that I take. It's just the way that I go. And it's, it's really lost that value. Do you guys ever get that? I had a friend, I was talking to a friend, a Canadian friend of mine, um, a couple of years ago, could mean anything. And um, he, he said, uh, I said to him, because just the outdoor side of Canada just really excites me, you know, hills, snow. That's all I know about Canada. Um, but I'm like, I would love to move there one time, you know. That would be absolutely amazing to live in Canada. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, but once you're there, it's just the normal. Like, you don't actually appreciate it for what it is. I'm like, that's true. And, you, like, and maybe you've experienced that on more of a smaller scale. You know, you might get a, a present or something, like a watch. And I'm not going to use that because my mum bought me that. But, like, you, you get a present that you've been given. And it's so much, like, so exciting to start with. And then it's just like, oh, that's nice. I want something else now. Or oh, what an upgrade. You know, it loses value in our eyes. And, and I want to ask that question is, is um, do you get that in your faith, though? When I first gave my life to Christ, like, that was huge. That changed my life. You know, that, that moment where I realized that Jesus Christ, my Savior, died for me, took my sins. While I didn't even know him, he took my sins and pinned it to the cross. You know, that was huge. And everything that I did was revolved around that because it was so massive in my life. I would go to work and I'd tell my workmates, I'm like, no, what I've experienced is so real, it's so great, it's so powerful. You guys need to know this. But after a while, you know, you go through hardships, you go through suffering, and, and, or you go through the routines of Christianity and the value of that, the value of God, the magnitude of God starts to dim a bit. And that was my prayer coming into today is that, for myself and for you all as well, is that we start to, we're not just here listening to words being said, we're not just going through the routines of church, but we're understanding who it is that we're coming to worship today, that we'll grasp just a little bit more of his love and his grace and his mercy that he's poured out onto our lives that we take for granted for every single day. Another question I want to ask is, how do you view heaven? And this is something that Amy challenged me with again um, I'm not even going to put a time frame on this one. Um, because she, she just finished reading The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, and it just really, we both read it together, actually. It's such an amazing book and in imagery. And she was just asking me, like, how do you view heaven? I'm like, I don't even really think about it, you know? Like, it's, I don't really understand. Yeah, it's, it's a nice idea, I think, in, in heaven is. It's like one day, you know, I'm going to be around and there's going to be little baby angels or something. I don't know. Just trying to paint, paint a picture. But... Um, like, it really started to lose, it hasn't really impacted my, my way of life. 
So anyway, maybe start thinking about that a bit, is how do you actually view heaven right now? Not, not how would you like to view heaven, how do you actually view heaven right now? So I'm going to be speaking from Philippians 3 um, this morning, um, 17 to 21. And we'll just be going through, uh, through verse by verse. So I'll just start at verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now that is confidence right there. Have you ever said that to someone before? Imitate me, be like me. You know, honestly, if someone actually came to me and said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, that's a bit arrogant, mate. You know, calm down. It would be, you wouldn't look at them as like, all right, that, that's, that's what we do. But I actually got really challenged by this is because, well, how do people actually look at me? When they look at me, what do they see? And now we have, uh, we just came back from youth camp and there we had about 40-something youth come along. We had 20-something leaders. Um, numbers in general don't really take notice of what I say. I don't know. Anyway, um, we got a lot. And so every Friday night we have youth looking at myself or the other leaders, right? And, and something that I challenge um, the leaders with every year or this year um, coming into the year is when... So before they commit to being a youth leader, I say to them, you know, like your number one role, um, you know, is to be a disciple. That's your number one role is to be in a relationship with God. So our purpose statement for youth, for those that don't know, uh, and is, is to disciple the youth into a genuine and pers- personal relationship with God. We're not about the activities. We're not about all the amazing events and stuff like that. We're, we're, we're so committed into making disciples. But for us to understand how to do that, we must first be in a relationship with God to start with. And we are, we are kind of saying this to them, is imitate me. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he is saying that I am trying, I am pursuing a relationship with Christ so that he can be seen in my life. And that is exactly what we are saying to these youth. We're saying imitate us as we imitate Christ, as we pursue Christ, pursue Christ with us. You know, we can't, if we just explain what a relationship with God looks like, it's just words. It's a nice story. I might encourage them to read the Bible once, but it's it's not helping them see what a relationship with God is like. And, then the, and the, then the youth leader's second role is then to make disciples, and their third role is then to worry about the events. It's to worry about the Bible studies and everything afterwards. You know, we are, we are so committed um, in, in our pursuit for God, in our relationship with God, number one. Continuing in verse 18, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, I don't want to write a list of enemies of the cross of Christ, of what that actually looks like. But when I, when I see this, I, I see it as anyone that doesn't really understand the significance of the cross, right? So they don't really understand who it, who it was that was up on the cross and what he pinned to himself on that cross and what that now means for us, right? So I'm not going to go prescribe that. But, um, the, and, and I think it's really interesting. Like, How do you view these people? Do you view them with... Uh, I guess, bitterness, or do you view them with, I don't know, anyway, how do you view them? And I, I think it's really interesting how Paul is here, he's saying, even with tears, this is breaking his heart. He's, it is breaking his heart that people do not know the significance of the cross. Uh, recent, like this week, actually, Lockie helped me put a, a block on my Facebook so you don't see the news feed. Facebook is just trash anyway. But I get so, what I find I, that I do is I get so distracted on what people put up there. And there's so much, so much debate that goes on Facebook. And, um, 
yeah, so what I would do, I don't know if you do this, but I would go to a Christian status or something like that or an article or something, and I'd go straight to the comment section, and then I would look at all the debates. It, it frustrates, me, frustrates me, but I always do it. And um, so I'd look through it, and I'd just get so frustrated. I'd get frustrated at people that don't know God, and they're just sort of bagging out Christianity, bagging out God and stuff like that. But I'd, just get, I'd get just as frustrated with Christians and trying to debate their proof, like trying to debate their point. And no one really cares about what the truth is. They just want to try and have the right answer, yeah? And I'd get so frustrated because, like, what are we trying to do with that? Are we trying to show God's love, or are we just trying to be right but, but how I was actually reacting, I didn't have tears in my eyes over this. I was getting bitter. I was getting frustrated. And so I'd look at these enemies of the cross, whether Christian or non-Christian, and I would say, like, I would just be so bitter. My, my, I, my heart would not break for them. And this has been really challenging for me because I don't want to just look at people, even with youth coming in, you know, some youth know Christ, a lot don't. And how do I view them? Do I view them with frustration because they only come every now and again? Or do I view them the way that God views them? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is something that I forget over and over again. The power of that reality in my life was massive. It changed my life, but I still forget that. And it, it does impact the way that I view people. And this is really how Paul is seeing these people. He's seeing them in the way that God does. His heart is breaking for these people as it did for God. And continuing on, verse 19, their end is destruction, their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Does that hurt? Does that break your heart to know that people are, their end is destruction? Paul's not looking at this life right now. He's saying, no, but whatever this life throws at them, this is, this is their end. They have an end. But we have, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. How do we see that? That our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. We don't have an end. Does that fill us with confidence? Does that pump you up to know that you are secure in heaven? Christ has died for you. Now you have eternal life with him. Now we throw out all these terminologies. We always say like stuff, stuff like, God, your name has power, but we don't speak it with power. We, say, we talk about heaven, but it's like we doesn't have power to us. There's no significance to us. It's just a nice place in our mind because we don't allow these words to sink in for us to actually grasp that, no, no, we, we don't have an end. We don't. We are in eternity with heaven, and he has promised that to us. But yet we get so distracted by this earth and the things that we don't actually have in this earth that we forget about the things that we do have in Christ. Now I just want to, I want to paint this picture for you guys uh, just really quickly, so bear with me. But just really try and imagine this um, in, your, in your mind. Just try and picture this. If God took you to heaven one morning for five minutes to be in his presence, to, be, to experience the fullness of his love and security and everything about that, and then you, he brought you back down to earth, what would that do? That would change everything that you did. Every single thing that you did on this earth would be different because you would know that the task of bringing him glory is so much greater than yourself because you've been in his glory. 
So you would run straight back to his presence. You would run to him, you would rely on him, and you would be seeking him to do the work through you, not do it for him. But you would look at this world so differently. I mean, I think so often we look at heaven from an earthly perspective, saying that's a pretty picture, that's something nice that might happen. But Paul is looking at earth from a heavenly perspective to say that I know where I'm going, but I also know where all these people are going as well. Their end is destruction, and my heart breaks for these people. Something that's really encouraging is in Hebrews, um, the Hebrew writer says, um, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, this is really important, for the joy that was set before him, he knew where he was going, endured the cross, despising the shame and, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew where he was going. He was going to be in God's presence and his heart broke for the people on this earth because he knew where they were going, but he went through it. He's continued to go through it, exactly what Lockie was saying. This comfort, we, we try and find so much comfort in this earth and everything that this earth can actually provide for us, which is not much. If we looked at earth with a heavenly perspective, we would see how temporary everything is and we would stop trying to waste our time with all this stuff to fill this emptiness with, with temporary things. But we would try and go straight to God's presence and understand that that is our joy. Do We find joy in knowing that we are going somewhere. This is not it for us. This is a time where we can see God be at work, but join him in that. Do you actually know where you're going? And I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that everyone here is, has made that commitment to Christ and has asked him into your life. And I just want to say to you, would you be willing to open up your heart to him now? No, I'm, I'm being serious here. There is heaven and there is hell. I don't want to beat around this bush here. This is serious. Your end is destruction. But Jesus Christ, like I said before, while you were still sinners, while we were still sinners, he came down and he took our sin and he put it on himself and died. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, which is heaven. So if you'd be willing, I'd love to just encourage you to ask God to reveal himself to you this morning. Don't leave this building without that question answered. But if you have asked that before, and this is the place that I continually find myself, how do I view God? How do I view heaven? How do I view the story of Jesus dying on the cross? Is it a story or is it reality? This isn't something we should just try and convince you guys of. Be like, that's a nice thing now, be encouraged and, and have a good week. No, no. Has this impacted your life? Has this changed your life? At one point, you were destined for destruction. And now you are not because of the suffering of Jesus Christ. And both Lockie and I, and that's why I say I really just got um, encouraged hearing Lockie speak before because this is, this is what it's about. Where are we trying to find, find our comfort? in this life, in this temporary life, or do we have our comfort and hope that we have eternity with our God? How does that influence your life? 
in every area that you're involved with, does it? Let me, let me close in prayer. Father God, I don't want these to be just words that I speak. Lord, I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want you to be real to me. Father, I don't want to just know these stories. I don't want to just know this stuff about you. I want to know you. Father, I don't know where everyone is at here. I don't know. But you do, Lord, protect us, save us from this distraction of this earth to not get so comfortable here that we take our eyes off you. Lord, we try so hard. We do. We try so hard to know you more. We try so hard to do things that are right. Lord, we miss you so much. We just, we miss everything that you offer because we're so busy. When we read these words, be still and know that I am God, and we're so focused on the being still part that we forget about, do we know you though? Lord, shape our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts to see you in your glory, that we may feel your presence, we will seek your presence and we'll know your love because it is here, it is with us, it is in us. Help us to be aware of that and give you all of our life, not just the areas that are easy to give over, but the areas that are not easy. We are surrounded by people that don't know you and yes, it is not comfortable for us to Talk to those people about you. But Lord, help us to not find comfort in this earth and strength in this earth and the things that we do here, but to have comfort and strength in who you are and what you've promised with us. You've promised to go before us. you promised to be with us. Lord, bring us to our knees before you. Bring us to that quiet place where no one else is around and we are just in your presence with you, talking with you, surrendering with you. I want that, Lord. You are our King. You are the mighty God. You are our Saviour. No one measures to you. No one compares to you. Your love is great. Your grace is never ending. And yet you choose to be in a relationship with us. You want to be in a relationship with us. That blows my mind. We worship your name, Lord. We worship who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, 
go to www.elthambaptist.com.au.